0: Star Physique studio in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Uh, hello, everybody, and thank you. Welcome, everybody. You weren't expecting to hear from me today, were you? Yeah, probably not. Probably not. I don't know how well I've done at keeping people in the loop on this. This is episode 161. Thank you for joining me here. As Jonathan said, I am Darren Starr. It's good to be back here again. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, thank you. It's great to have you. If it's your second time, hey, you know what? great to have you back. If it's your third time, man, you're a real glutton for punishment, aren't you? If it is your 161st time listening to this podcast, you need therapy. That's all I can tell for you. You have a problem, I think, definitely. As for me, it's my 161st time. I definitely need therapy. I can tell you that for sure. So, um, What did we just hear there at the start of that? That was um, our one of our demo songs. That song is called Search and Recovery. So we're rolling the dice with that song. Um, That that was a a demo mix here. That was, man, the piano was really hot in that. It's too loud, too loud. Um, But anyway, that's neither here nor there. That's that's all in the engineer. And man, that guy is fired. I can tell you that. That guy doesn't know shit about shit. Um, I really dig that song. We are rolling the dice with that song in that we are including that on the album it is actually the title track for the album and we went into the studio and i recorded the final piano track for that which is not what you heard there that was my demo track um but i recorded the final piano track for that earlier this week um and we still don't have lyrics for the song lyrics or a melody so we're we're rolling the dice um and uh i i texted my wife because we were in there together on monday and did some stuff in the studio and then tuesday and wednesday i went back by myself and recorded piano tracks for just about all the songs we have and i said hey I recorded piano for Search and Recovery, so now we're committed to it. So she's like, oh, shit. And so then she starts writing, and she texts me this sheet of lyrics that she came up with for the song now because she knows, like, oh, pressure's on. Okay, I might have to record these vocals next week. Um, And they're really good. They're really good. So we're going to spend some time going over it this weekend and putting it all together. Um, It is, as far as I'm concerned, the best composition that I've written. I'm really excited about it. What you heard there was just a little snippet towards the end. Uh, It's one of those, you know, starts kind of slow, builds quickly, stays there and then builds more, builds more, builds more towards the end. It's it's really cool. Um so I'm really happy about that. Anyway, I'm I'm here on uh, my dad's birthday, March 13th. Happy birthday, dad. What is it? 74 today for you, buddy. Awesome. Awesome. So, um the only thing is I'm supposed to be um right about now leaving home and heading to T-Y-S, Tyson McGee Airport, and heading off to Denver en route to Portland so I can go visit them. I canceled that trip last night. Um, I called home. I talked with mom and dad. I just kind of had a generally bad vibe about it with everything that's going on. So we're going to talk more uh, because I know uh, nobody's sick of hearing about coronavirus, right? So we're going to talk about it a little bit, specifically like how it applies to gym stuff here. That's what we're going to kick it off with because, you know, what's the point of a podcast if you're not going to try and be at least a little bit topical, right? Uh, And I think there's a lot of good stuff that we can go over here. Um, But I had I had concerns about traveling that had nothing to do with me getting sick, and I think this is where a good perspective shift is helpful. Here, Um, was this trip essential? No, I really wanted to go and surprise my dad for his birthday. So instead, I I talked last night, talked it over with mom, and kind of made the decision like, okay, I'm going to sit this one out. Okay, let me talk to dad, and so I surprised him like, hey. I have a ticket. I was going to come out and see you tomorrow. And you know what? That was almost as good. It was almost as good. Just hearing his voice uh, when, I, when I was able to tell him that, that was cool. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll go next month or something like that once things chill out a little bit. Um, so I, I don't want to go, and you know, my parents are technically, I, it pains me to say this, they're an at-risk population just due to age specifically. they're They're healthy people, but still, as you age, your immune system gets weaker, and that puts them a little bit more at risk. And I just don't want to be the guy who's passing through Tyson McGee Airport, Denver International, and Portland International, being very careful about what I touch, who I come into contact with, and wash my hands all the time. But still, you're going through an area like that, you know, some things are just out of your control as far as what you come into contact with. And since there is still a lot of uncertainty about it, and also my parents said, yeah, we both kind of feel like we're coming down with something, not coronavirus, but just like sniffles, etc., um i'm like yeah so your immune system's already going to be compromised and working overtime a little bit you, you don't need me there right now other factors that had nothing to do with this um outbreak um were in play as well like um <laughs> this is going to sound really dumb but it is a considering factor uh we didn't have anybody to watch our dogs today uh, you know, we have we have three go-to friends, and they were all unavailable for today to help out with, with checking on the dogs midday. So they're going to have like an eight-hour day by themselves. I know what you're saying. They're like, Darren, that's what most people do with their dogs. I get it, but these guys aren't used to it. And I know for one day they'd be fine. But it was on my mind. It was on my mind. It was weighing on me. So now I've got a normal day with them here. Also, after this week, um, pardon my French, I'm fucking exhausted. And the thought of getting onto a plane, taking my iPad with me, sitting in coach with no elbow room at all, doing check-ins with clients while I was flying across country, shifting time zones, then just to do it all in reverse on Monday and come back and have a big check-in day on Monday on the plane, no elbow room on the iPad. Um, I've done it before. It is physically very uncomfortable. Like, your forearms and your elbows start to hurt just because you don't have the space. Um, So, just being able to stay at home, relax, catch up on a little sleep, etc. That has as much to do with it as anything else. Um, There was also, just because the situation with this thing is changing so rapidly, I could very easily foresee a situation where I fly cross-country, and then suddenly a whole bunch of flights get canceled, and I'm stuck there, and I've got to get a rental car and drive back to Tennessee. Doesn't sound very appealing to me. So, Um, it was a tough call. Not one that I was happy to make, but um, one that I am at peace with now, at the very least. So, yeah, I... I'm of a mixed mind. I'd love to be going out there, but I love the idea of staying at home this weekend too. So, <laughs> you can get some quality LEGO building time in to relax and unwind a little bit. I'm cool with that. So, um, yeah. So let, let's uh, let's hop into it here. Um, well, hold on, hold on. Let me do a quick little little weekly recap here, just because it, it's been a really exciting week. It really has. I mean, outside of all the shit going on in the world. Personally, for me, it's been a really exciting week. This studio adventure has been a lot of fun. So we've spent three days in there, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday so far. Um, We are now off until Tuesday next week. Tuesday and Wednesday, my wife goes in and she will do main vocal tracking for, or lead vocal tracking for as many songs as we can manage. We've got 11 to do. I'm hoping that she can get through seven-ish or so in two days. Um, It'll be a lot. I mean, that, that'll be a lot to do. Um, some of these songs she's going to have to push on a little bit. Um, the engineer wants to have her um, relearn a couple spots a little bit. He's identified some some um, melodic patterns that she just kind of falls into his habit. And, she's, and His theory is, I want to break you from that, at least for this record, just because um, it's going to be more interesting to listen to if we, if we break some of those habits. And so that, that'll be a little bit of a challenge, but she's up to it. Um, cause she's really good. <laughs> and so she's got two days next week, Tuesday and Wednesday. He does not want me there for those sessions. He says the fewer eyes and ears in the room, staring at her and listening at her, the better she's going to perform. So stay home. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll work those days. That's fine for me. And then the following week, um, this would be the 20, what, 23rd, 24th, I think Monday, Tuesday. Um, we've got a drummer coming in and he's going to track 10 songs. So, um, I'm really excited about that. That's when shit's going to really start to feel real. After that, um, we, ha- we have a bass player that we've settled on, um, although we don't have dates scheduled. I feel like he can probably get through all the songs in a day. Um, and then it comes down to guitars. And Travis, the engineer, and I are actually going to be playing most of the guitars. And he has a, uh, a local guy who is amazing who's going to come in and track a couple of solos for us. Um, and like one of them is going to be a screaming Joe Satriani-style solo. Um, and then another one is like this really, really lazy Nora Jones tune. And he's going to tune and he's going to do this like really, really low key acoustic solo over top of it. Like, you know, two, two notes per minute kind of thing. <laughs> like really, really low key. So, uh, it really runs the gamut. Um, so it's been a fun day. Monday we were in there, um, all three of us together, me, my me, my wife, and, and Travis, the engineer. We're doing this at Lakeside Studios. Travis Wyrick is the engineer. Um, he is turning into our de facto producer as well. Really cool guy. He has got his shit down. He knows what he's doing. Um, he's really good at coaching performances out of people. He has really good ideas because we've heard these songs Two, three, four hundred times. He's hearing him for the first time. He's coming at it with fresh ears. He's like, no, I don't like that there. You know, this, this section needs to be pulled back significantly. Like this needs a much lower dynamic. I need fewer, fewer things happening on the piano here. Let her sing. This is her. And th- these are things where it's like, yeah, I know that, but it's, it's different when you hear it from a, a set of outside ears and So Monday, we're all in there together and basically just going over a strategy and a a game plan for each of the songs. And then he had um, Dina do a scratch vocal take for everything, just so we had something fresh. And he wanted also just to see, like how does she respond to coaching? The answer is very well. Like basically anything he said, she did it first try. So it was really cool to hear that. And then Tuesday and Wednesday, we did piano parts um, for um, 10 out of the 11 songs. There's one left to do. I'm actually going to try it from home today using the um, techniques that he showed me. He wanted me to try. He's like, record it, send it over, and we'll see if it works um, as far as like technically. And if so, you know, when it comes time for album number two, I'm going to do the whole thing here, uh, piano wise at least. So, Um, but it was funny. He's like, we had we had one song it's a song called drive it is a driving song it is like a getting your freaking convertible in the sun and just go 80 miles an hour down the road kind of song um and so it's like a big arrangement like there's going to be 10 12 guitar tracks on this thing so the piano's in there and I wrote it on piano as I do for everything and it's bouncing along bouncing along he's like yeah less 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 don't play with your left hand you know it's going to muddy up the mix <laughs> i'm like what the fuck are you talking about? Don't play with my left hand. That is sacrilege, you asshole. <laughs> and, and so he's like the the thing is, you know, you add that piano in there, that low end, you've got a bass player, you've got a drummer, the guitars are really big. You add that low piano in there and suddenly, you know, I've got to keep the piano down in the mix because if I turn it up, there's too much stuff fighting for that frequency down there. So, the piano is going to be louder in the mix if you play less. I'm like, interesting. All right, cool. And then he was coaching me on the verses, and he's like, yeah, so I want the verses really chill here. You know, it's about the drummer, the bass player, and the singer. The guitars are not entirely out, but pretty, pretty down. He's like, I want the piano to be the same thing. So I'm like, all right, so I'm thinking, like, dun, dun, dun. He's like, yeah, too many fucking notes. (laughs) He's like, you're playing those notes like you've got 30 fingers. Play it like you've got three. So I try something else. I'm like, ding. He's like, that's five notes, three. (laughs) So I play three notes. He's like, can you give me two? (laughs) It's hilarious. Now, the thing is, it all worked out really well. I mean, he's right. He's right. So that was my week in a nutshell. So that being said, let's jump into it. Let's talk about some coronavirus stuff, shall we? Because I know nobody is sick of it. So there's a a lot of ground that we might want to cover here. The first thing is, you know, what do we do about it? Um, I mean let's let's think about specifically I'm not going to talk about like you know wash your hands well, okay I'm assuming you've all read the news and you all know that I think we all can agree also that um it's not an end of the world kind of thing it's like you know you you can if you're listening to this chances are very high that if you contract it, you will have mild symptoms, you will get over it, you'll be just fine. The problem is you are then a carrier and you can pass it to other people who may not be able to have such a fortuitous outcome from it. So it's on all of us to change our behavior a little bit, not panic, not lose your fucking shit over it, but take some, you know, I would say sensible precautions and go above and beyond and take some precautions that maybe seem a little nonsensical as well. All these event cancellations, yeah, it pisses people off. It's annoying as shit. It's also a smart move. It is. And I suspect, I mean, you know, feel free to call me out on this when we do the next episode a month from now. I'm kidding. Uh, it should be sooner than that. God willing. Um, <clears throat> feel free to call me out on this, but I suspect, you know, three to four weeks from now, it, it's going to be returning to business as usual. Probably not so much completely, but it, it'll get there. Um, I just, uh, i I'm, Part of me is just, I'm, I'm always an optimist. So, um, and, you know, I feel like what we're seeing right now, just with it's such a fluid situation, things are changing so much, um, it's impossible to predict. Um, and so let, let's take this back into the realm of bodybuilding here. There's an announcement that the NPC slash IFBB put out yesterday saying we are not planning any show cancellations as of right now. That will change probably within the next 24 hours, I would suspect. Now, I'm, I'm going out of limit. limb and I'm guessing here, but that's how quickly the situation changes. I mean, the NBA went from business as usual to, hey, we're going to play all of our games in front of uh, empty stadiums, no crowds, to we're, post, we're spending the season in a matter of hours. That's how quickly this moves. <laughs> so things change really fast. Disney World, Disneyland are closed, etc. A Broadway shut down. Late night shows are going without crowds. So it's things that draw crowds. Does a bodybuilding show draw a crowd? Yeah, it can. And also, think about this. This is another consideration that I, that I would throw at you here. Um, what's the one thing that you can't really do effectively at a bodybuilding show? Clean yourself. As spray tan goes on, Mm, yeah. Yeah, you're done showering for a little while. Wash your hands. Ooh, I'm going to wash some tan off. That's probably not A good thing. So, yeah, I mean, it uh, uh, puts you a little bit more at risk. You're close quarters with people backstage. Uh, uh. Um and uh I do have somebody who's competing in uh 2 weeks from tomorrow. And She's doing a UFE show. Um, UFE is the organi- or organizing body for this particular show. It's a drug-tested show. Um, she's going to do great. Like She is set. She's doing figure. Kristen, if you're listening to this, you're doing awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, her husband had purchased a, a ticket as a spectator. He got that refunded. So I think they're, they're doing that show without an audience. Uh, is the show still on? As of right now, yes. Can that change? Sure can. What do we do about it? Nothing business as usual. And you know, if the show gets canceled, the show gets canceled. But until that happens, I don't think there's any, any sense in, in modifying anything that you're planning to do. Um, and I've got some people right now with the, like six and eight weeks out. And my optimistic approach right now is like, yeah, by the time your show comes around, this is going to be done and gone. We're going to be laughing about it. Maybe not laughing, but you know, we'll be reminiscing about it. So, and not fondly. (laughs) So, um, so I, I fully expect that we probably will see some show cancellations. I'm, I'm kind of expecting that. Worst case scenario, best case scenario, I think we'll be seeing a lot of shows without crowds for a little while. You know, I mean, it's 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 the smart move. It, it really is. Um, I saw an announcement from Tool um, on their Instagram page the other day where they were doing a show. I think it was in Idaho, and it was set for I think Saturday, and they said that show is still planning to go on as planned. I'm like, I don't think that's necessarily a good idea. And then they had a show after that that was um, postponed. Um, so I don't know. I mean, everybody's making their own judgment calling that a lot of hands are getting forced by local governments who are limiting, um, gatherings of sizes over 150 or 250 people. So, you know, I mean, a lot of those cases, you know, some smaller bodybuilding shows, they, they'd still be okay under those guidelines. I still don't know if it's a great idea. Um, again, it's, it's not so much about uh, somebody healthy getting it. It's about you then becoming a carrier and passing it on to somebody who's more at risk. Um, And the real concern here is just overloading our healthcare system Um, because, you know, if you, the, the thing about this is when it becomes serious, it's a respiratory thing. And if, if it gets to that stage, then you get people who may require intubation, may require ICU. And if enough people get this enough, a high enough percentage of the population has to deal with it, then suddenly you're going to overload hospitals and they're not going to be able to accommodate everybody who needs it. They're not going to be able to intubate everybody who needs it. So you've got people with shortness of breath who can't receive the appropriate medical care that they need. The, the problem is, you know, how, how things can can get out of control exponentially. So it, it's, uh, you know, let, let's put it this way. It's fucking annoying. Absolutely. But it's also really, really smart to be taking some precautions right now. Not so much for you. You, the average drop set listener, if you get this, you're going to be fine. You're going to have a few shitty days. You're going to be fine. Um, But it's, you know, do you pass it on to somebody before you fully develop symptoms? Who are those people? Are those people more at risk? So it makes sense to take uh, smart precautions. So let's talk specifically now about how that should impact us on a day to day. Let's say you're not doing a show. You know, what do we do? I think the smart thing right now is um, continue to go about your normal daily life. I don't think there's any need to sequester yourself if you're not showing symptoms. Now, at this point, I always tell people in, in check ins with clients, like, yeah, I was sick. I went to the gym anyway. Right now, if you do that, I will fucking kill you. No, if you are sick, you stay away from the damn gym. Period. Period. If, if let's say, let's say you have, I've just got the flu, flu A. I'm like, well, don't go to the gym anyway, you dumbass. You're not going to. rest. It's just a cold. Okay, great. You're going to freak a lot of people out unnecessarily. If you walk in there and you're sneezing and coughing all over the place, I don't care what it is that you have. You're going to freak people out. So stay home. If you're sick, stay home. That's all there is to it. Take a few days off. You know, it's a cold. It's coronavirus, whatever. You're healthy. You're going to be fine. Okay. You're going to have a few crappy days. Like I said, you will be okay in the end, statistically likely. So stay home. But If you're feeling good, go to the gym, work out, be careful, and don't let yourself fall into old habits. So just think about the things that you're touching there and the fact that you are not the only person to touch any of that. Who else has been there? You got no clue take precautions. Wipe stuff down in advance. Be, an, be a good guy and wipe stuff down after the fact. That includes dumbbell handles. Take frequent trips to go into the bathroom and wash your hands. Don't touch your face. This might be a good time for a return to the 80s. Get a headband so that you're not constantly wiping sweat off your brow. Get a, head, get a headband so that you can just keep your hands off your face and not have to worry about it. Um, go into the bathroom frequently, um, but I think with a few extra precautions, there's no need to avoid the gym um I've had a couple of clients who were like yeah boy i I'm really gonna try some at home workouts for a little bit here i'm like i just i i I think that is an overreaction if you are cautious, you know the gym is not typically a place where crowds gather large crowds, so it depends on when you work out, how big your gym is, et cetera um but uh like when i go you know it's it's a fairly large gym i go typically there's 20 25 people in there that ain't a crowd that that's you know, that's basically the same as going to a grocery store w- would you stop going to a grocery store because people are possibly sick there give me a break i mean come on we we have to exercise some caution but also just not be ridiculous about it you know the, i don't think there's any reason to stop going to the gym you should exercise some additional Safety practices, just hygiene practices, just to be smart and safe. So um, that's it. I, I don't think uh, I don't think there's a need to to go off the deep end on that. So now that might change. I know some people have talked about like my gym is talking about closing. I think that's an overreaction. Um, you know, instead, you know what I'd like to see the gym do: have somebody on staff who goes around wipe stuff down. That that's way more useful. That is way more useful. Make sure the bathrooms are fully stocked, so somebody goes in to wash their hands, the soap dispenser isn't empty. That's the kind of stuff that gyms need to be doing, not closing down. Um, so, you know, if everything shuts down, if, if basic things, so, okay, a concert gets canceled, etc. that's one thing. If the stuff that you do every day starts to get affected, that's when people are going to start to really freak the hell out. So, um, I don't want to see that happen for a lot of reasons, but I just, uh, yeah, not, no, 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 no. that, that can't happen. That can't happen. So anyway, there's your, uh, your bodybuilding related drop set coronavirus official statement. (laughs) Um, as for me, it is, uh, it is business as usual over here. So I'm, uh, just living large and doing what I can. So, I took three days off from the gym myself this week, unrelated, because of studio time. I tell you what, when you've got a full day of check-ins with clients scheduled and you've got an eight-hour block in the day when you're away from your computer at a studio um it's challenging That it makes for some tough days that was hard so i'm looking forward to a week where i have all normal days and then um next the following week with the drummer in it's just monday tuesday for me in the studio mondays are an easier day like i can split that up pretty easily it's a lighter scheduled day um and tuesdays are a, a not quite a a deadly schedule so it's it's fairly fairly doable. Um Wednesday this week was the hard one. That's a really busy day and um that was a long one. I think I finished up at about nine thirty, ten o'clock at night, something like that. So I was that was rough. That was rough. So anyway, enough about me. Let's get to you because you are why we're here, right? So I have uh, a couple things that I want to talk about here. So I'm gonna start with a voicemail. This goes back to oh my God, February fifth? Really? We haven't listened to this February fifth voicemail yet? Okay, well let's try it. Let's see what we got here. Hold on. Hey Darren, this is Mark Rivera from Dallas, Texas. So I was actually talking to my girlfriend, and we were kind of wondering if tempo work actually helps with increasing strength, or is that just in conjunction with um, progressive overload? Could just necessarily doing tempo work with your you know sets and your splits actually help increase the strength overall, or is that just a byproduct of uh, progressive overload? Thank you, Darren. Sweet, thanks, Mark. So th- these are the conversations that you and Nicole have, huh? Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> yeah it takes all kinds man it's good it's good to have a swole mate i guess i never wanted one myself but it's cool um so does tempo work increase strength i would say no it actually diminishes strength if we're talking about strength as being raw output how much weight how many pounds are you able to move on a specific exercise so tempo by its very nature is going to decrease that number so uh, if you would be training for strength the last thing i would do is have you employ any kind of crazy tempos now I say any kind of crazy tempos, you know, if you go to a, a powerlifting meet and you watch the bench press, they they force a pause in there. So that's tempo work, but that's part of the lift. That's like, you know, it's kind of like when you're, uh, when, when you're doing a long jump, this is the last line you can touch. So that's just one of the rules. When you're doing a bench press, you take it down. You have to wait for the order to press. Now, they're not going to make you sit in that pause for five seconds, but what they want to do is eliminate stretch reflex. So you're not just taking the bar down, bouncing it off your chest, and pushing it back up. So um, in that way, a force-like half-second or one-second pause is part of the lift. It's part of the rule. So um, that then becomes part of the training modality as well. Now, then let's say you will increase that pause to a three-second pause. Okay, your strength, your your output, your raw output is going to go way down from there. The longer you have to hold that pause, the more your output's going to go down. So that's kind of a tricky thing for a uh, a judge or a, a spot caller at a powerlifting meet to um, be very consistent with how long they make people hold that pause for. So that's, that could very easily give somebody an unfair advantage. So um, that's a really good question, though. Really good question. Does tempo increase strength? Now. I mean, the the whole thing about tempo is it's it's designed to generate fatigue and also improve mind-muscle connection because when you go slower, we've talked about this before recently about how a muscle has a long position and a short position, Um, and it's not just about experiencing both and having a race to go back and forth between each of those as much as possible, but also what does it feel like in between? Um, so, you know, if we slow down the concentric phase or the negative phase, you're getting, and it's much easier to slow down the negative for sure. But I've done some work with extended concentrics. That is hard, but it's also a really good way to dial in mind muscle connection. So a lot of people, for example, struggle with connecting with their back. Um, cause as I've said before, you can't see it it's layered, there's things moving in different directions, so depending on if you're doing a wide grip, close grip, pull, horizontal, vertical, depending on your grip, um, you know, reverse grip, overhand, neutral, um, you're going to be working more or less of certain muscle groups, and also, we just don't have a good visual frame of reference for that, we don't see it, we don't see it moving, we can't see the muscle fibers getting shorter or longer, so there's this disconnect there, um, and slowing down the concentric on those, so you've got to really reduce the weight to make it happen, so again, lower strength output. Um what uh what what I often encourage is uh slower concentrics. So like the actual pull phase. So you're doing like a let's say a 4 second pull on a seated row. 1 1000, 2 1000, 3 1000, 4 1000. You have to go a lot lighter, but you're really experiencing like okay, what does it feel like now? Uh, and not just when the muscle is shorter or longer, but as it gets shorter. Um, can you feel that shifting? Can you k- keep it out of your forearms? Can you keep your wrists and hands a little, le- a little more disengaged so they're not taking over because there's a tendency just to want to tighten up and give everything a death grip? So if you struggle with connecting on back, try a slow concentric, just as a side note there. Um, it's really easy to force a longer pause on movement, like a pause squat. Okay, that's a tempo trick. Um, to force a harder squeeze at the top of a bicep curl or a leg extension. That's a tempo trick. Slower negatives are very common. That's a tempo trick. Concentrics don't get a lot of love in tempo games, though. So give that a shot. For anything where you're really struggling to feel it, I think that's a good way to go. But uh, tempo is definitely something that's going to decrease um, your overall output more than anything else. So a decrease in strength. Um, Now, it can be part of um, increasing strength long-term because, you know, what kind of muscle is stronger? A bigger one. And so if you, if you employ tempo with your hypertrophy training, you can grow a little bit. It's giving you more muscle to work with, but then you have to teach that muscle how to be strong. And those are separate phases. So, and really you teach the muscle, you're, you're really teaching the brain how to be stronger. So that's, that's what it comes down to. So good question though, Mark. What, uh, what do we have next? This goes back to oh, February 17th. I'm, I swear I'm trying to catch up guys. You're doing a good job though. Let's see what we got. Hey Darren, it's Mary in Texas. Um, My question is the difference between a PCT and a bridge. Uh, When would you use one versus the other and why? And what are the advantages of doing that versus just um, straight coming off the cycle? Thanks so much. Awesome, Mary. Thanks. Good question. What is this, Texas Day or something? I mean, you know, considering Mary and Mark, they – they did call in twelve days apart, so I guess you know they they weren't conspiring or anything like that. So, um, good question: PCT versus a bridge. So we're talking cycle related stuff right now, and we're not talking about bikes. Um, so, anabolic cycles, PCT post cycle therapy versus a bridge. So let's let's talk about the difference between the two main concepts here, and this is going to be a conversation that talks mostly about guys. Um, so. And then we'll talk about how it applies to women as well, but it's it's very much a different a different conversation there. So, um, guys. When you go on, so just, okay, normal normal guys, normal everyday guys, your body produces testosterone, right? Okay, cool. Now you're like, hey, I want to get bigger, and I've been training for a while, and I'm not happy with my results. Like, yeah, I'm making progress, but now I'm stuck. I think I want to go on some kind of steroid cycle. Okay, great. So let's start with testosterone. That's the basis for every cycle. What you're going to do is take your natural testosterone levels. You're going to inject some kind of exogenous Uh, source of testosterone, you're going to increase your testosterone levels. Now you've got two things that play into factor here, your free test and your total test. So um, part of that is, you know, what does your body produce naturally? Um, And when you inject testosterone, your natural testosterone production goes way down um, doesn't completely shut down, but it goes way down because your body's getting it from somewhere else. So your, your pancreas is like, I don't need to make all this stuff. Cool. So I'm going to take it easy here, chill out for a little bit. So the problem then is you, you can't run that indefinitely. I mean, there, there is, you know, TRT, HRT, testosterone or hormonal replacement therapy, um, which is a low dose. Um, so it doesn't shut down your natural test production quite as extensively, but it still reduces it quite a bit. Um, But you're you're supplementing with just enough testosterone so you still have a much higher level than you would without it. So, uh, which is great. We get all the benefits of it. You know, you run at a low dose, so the risk of side effects is extremely low as well. You'll typically run some kind of aromatase inhibitor with that as well, which helps um, tamp down the conversion of uh, testosterone to estrogen. That's aromatization. That's what that process is. So when you start to see that happen, you get these estrogen-related side effects, things like gynecomastia, things like that. So, you know, uh, man boobs, basically. Um, And some people are more sensitive to that than others. So you want to run some kind of ancillary compound on cycle to prevent that from happening. Something like Arimidex is a great aromatase inhibitor. Um, And if all of this is like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? So I'm probably going to give this another five minutes. So if you want to skip ahead five minutes, you can miss the rest of this conversation. But nonetheless, I always think there's good stuff to learn from this. Even if you don't plan on running stuff, you can learn a little bit more about how your body works, generally speaking, which I always think is a win-win. So... When you stop, let, let's say you're running a, a higher dose of testosterone, like a TRT dose might be anywhere from 100 to 225 milligrams per week, something like that. Um, so if you run something higher than that, like let's say you're running five, six, 700 milligrams per week, the higher you go, the shorter the cycle has to be. You run a TRT dose, 100, 150, 200, you can run that long term, long term. Um, a higher dose, like a this would be uh, referred to as a blast, uh, 500, 600, 700 milligrams or more, you're looking at a blast. So this you're going to run shorter. It's for a finite duration. Let's call it 12 to 16 weeks just to ballpark it here. At that point, you've got to come off. Now, when you come off, you have two options, and this is what Mary is getting at here. Do you come off all the way, or do you bring it down to a TRT slash HRT level dose. So if you do the former, then you're cycling on, you're cycling off. When you cycle off, you need to PCT. You need post-cycle therapy. What that does is it helps your body restart your natural production of testosterone. Give it a little kickstart. It will do it on its own. But while you're waiting for that, life is going to suck. Because you've stopped taking testosterone, it's got to basically clear out of your system before your pancreas then realizes... Oh, that's not in here anymore. Okay, well, let's ramp this back up and it's like, you know, it's like a nuclear submarine's engine. I don't know anything about submarines. I just imagine when you push the ignition button on that, it takes things a while to kick on. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. Um, but, you know, it 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 takes a while to get that going again. And so a good post-cycle therapy regimen is designed to help accelerate that process. And you time it with the end of your cycle so that, you know, in a perfect world, it's going to be somewhat almost seamless. You know, you're going to experience some, bump, some bumps in the road, probably. Um, but I, I always try and tell guys uh, about this and what to expect. I'm like, you know, the hormonal fluctuations that your girlfriend or your wife goes through when she gets her period? Well, apply that to you in the end of your cycle, but then stretch it out for like two, three, four, five weeks instead of two, three, four, five days. You know, that, that's what you're going to be looking at here, it, especially if you have a bad, um, a bad PCT regimen. So it could end up being a lot longer. If you don't do any PCT, you're looking at a few months like that, probably. So this is why PCT is important. Um, so you'll experience mood swings, uh, physical changes that are not positive. Um, performance changes that are not positive um it's it's gonna be it's it's bad times that's what makes a lot of people quit actually because they do a cycle they don't end it well and then they have a shitty few months and then they're like they, they just stop going to the gym because they don't want to they just lose it all completely so post cycle is important so um now versus a bridge so A bridge, like Mary was asking about, PCT versus bridge. A bridge is what happens if you do a blast. Like, let's say you run testosterone, it's much higher. Then you bring it back down to TRT levels with the intention of doing another blast again relatively soon. So what you're going to do there in between those blasts is bridge. So this would also be like blast and cruise. So a bridge, cruise, same thing. Um, So the idea here being... You, you You blast the compound or compounds um, now that that you know puts some miles on the old odometer right as far as your adrenal system is concerned it it's, It can be taxing um, i mean it, it it can feel great, it can be super productive, but at some point you 've got to pull the plug and say okay we 're cutting that out we 're pulling way back down we 're coming back testosterone is one hundred and fifty milligrams a week, nice and low, okay, cool. You run that for six, eight, ten weeks. Let your system reset a little bit. We're not worried about restarting your natural testosterone production because um, we still got the HRT dose in there. So, you know, it's still keeping your testosterone higher than it would be if you were running nothing. So you're just letting the rest of your system recover a little bit. And then you can go back into another cruise and so the, or another blast. This is far more effective um, as far as efficiency and time is concerned than coming off all the way. If you come off all the way, you're looking at probably needing to take, you know, th- this is if you're, if you're scheduled for more like 12 to 16 weeks off between cycles. Um, that's a good way to reset, come off completely, let your natural, natural test levels get back up to where they need to be versus blast and cruise. You know, you can, you, you can blast and I've had, I've had people that I've worked with who have then cruised for four to six weeks, then jump right back on, um, now again, you have to be careful with that. You have to listen to your body. It helps to get blood work checked as well. Um, but conceptually, that's the idea. A, a blast and cruise approach is much more efficient if you know you're going to be running multiple cycles um, consecutively. Now they need to be well planned, and that goes beyond the scope of this question here for sure. Because you know, like if you're going to run a pre-contest cycle with three compounds, and you're switching to short esters, and you're adding in orals, etc. I'm not going to have you then cruise for four weeks into the whole thing again. I mean, that is beating the shit out of your body in a really, really unhealthy way. That crosses the line from use to abuse. Um, so there, there, are, there are smart ways to do it. And, you know, use versus abuse, that's a big conversation for another day as well. It's not just about, okay, what does this cycle look like? I mean, certainly there's, there's a line that you can cross where you're like, yeah, that cycle is crazy. But then it's also, okay, well, that cycle, and then what's the next one look like and how soon is it? Um, so it, it's a cumulative effect as well, and that can that can also send you over that line there. So, um, very good question, Mary. Though I like that. So that brings us to something that's not really related to that at all, but nonetheless, it's a good question that I got from someone. This came from from email here. So, I don't have uh, I don't have audio for this. I'm I'm a little bummed about that because it would be a good question for that. But this comes from oh, let's see here we go. This comes from Kaya via email. So Kaya, thank you for this. This is awesome. So um, she had a question and um, let's see. Oh, I didn't, uh, I didn't save nearly as much of this as I thought I was going to. So um, I'll, I'll spare some of the details here, but basically her question was about, okay, a lot of people talk about like what to do leading into a show, but if you're doing more than one, what happens between the two? And that's really kind of a, a a nebulous question. And I and so I'm like, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good topic. And so what I wanted to do was present kind of a case study for her and where she's at right now. Because I said, you know, a lot of it just depends on um, you know, what your prep looks like, how you're coming in, um, you know, what kind of conditioning level you expect to hit, um, what your diet looks like, how much cardio you're doing, et cetera. So, so her shows um, they're both OCB shows, so this is a, a hard right turn from the, uh, the conversation we were just having. So those these shows will both be drug tested. Um, first one is April 25th. Second one is on June 20th. So currently April 25th, and I got this from her. This came in March 2nd, so this is about a week and a half old at this point. Um, so let's pull up the calendar here, and let's do a little quick math here. So April 25th, Oops, April 25th. So when she sent this in, one, two, three four or five she's currently six weeks out she was seven almost eight weeks out when she sent this in um and so i'll tell you right now because she sent me some photos looking great for eight weeks out right on point right where she needs to be pretty sharp um good overall shape um good lines, um, good definition in the shoulders, quads, etc. I mean, really, really good for eight weeks out. Midsections nice and tight. Um, glutes have some definition as well. So really, really good spot overall to be in here, especially for eight weeks out. So the second show then is June 20th. Um, let me see here. So back to the calendar. June. So the time between the shows is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven eight weeks between shows as well. That's kind of a tricky gap to bridge. That's a little tricky. So um, she said most recent pictures as well as when she started this journey back in November. And there's been a lot of change since then for sure. So um, I got some notes here on lifting. So uh, just a kind of a traditional um, hypertrophy split. Um, There we go. So I don't have any details on diet or anything like that. And that matters. Um, Diet and cardio. So and also back on the second, she emailed this to me and she said she's on, uh, she started with the podcast at episode one. She made it up to 53. She's now all the way caught up. So Kaya, all I can say is I am really, really sorry that you've had to listen to all that. I don't know why you hate yourself so much, but I think you should really, you know, as I said at the onset of this episode, seek help. It's out there. It's out there for you. So, um, so here, here are the variables that I would consider. Um, what to do between shows? How hard are we pushing for show number one? Is show number one the real target? Is show number two the real target? Or are going to try and hit both of them evenly? With eight weeks between them, you've got time to make some pretty good improvements in overall conditioning. So it's not really a tune-up situation. If you had a show and then two weeks later another show, that's really the kind of thing where okay, your peak is going to be at the second show. The first one you're just using as a tune-up. Run a trial peak week. Don't kill yourself with it. You know, get get warmed up. On on stage, um, get comfortable in front of a crowd again if it's been a while for you, that kind of thing. This is not a tune-up situation. With eight weeks between the shows uh, and with where you're at here, with these photos being eight weeks out also... Um, you're, you're in position to come in nice and sharp for show number one. Um, but then the question is, okay, well, what do we do for show number two? So part of this is like, well, there's a lot of if-then statements here. If this happens, then you want to do that. And if this happens, then you might want to do this. So it gets really tricky really quick. But let me, let me break it down as best as I can here. Let's say you're able to come into this first show, um, and let's just say you, you do end up having to get pretty aggressive on your diet, and you're doing a fair bit of cardio here. And you're coming into this show really drained to the point where you're like, okay, you know, maybe peak week doesn't uh, plan out quite like you plan. And so you get up on st- on stage and you're looking, you know, a little flat, little depleted, really lean, really sharp, but just, you know, nothing really has that pop, you know, I mean, that's, that's a common problem that people have just because they don't, they don't manipulate water correctly. They don't come in with a, uh, uh, with enough carbs in their system. They don't really um, load up properly. Entirely common, very common. So Let's just throw out a hypothetical scenario where that's the case. And then you know, typically at that point, you'll be feeling like, God, I'm so over this. I don't even know if I want to do this second show. Oh, but I already paid for it, so God, I guess I have to. Well, at that point, you're as lean as you need to be. What we need to do is give your body a break for a week or two, not stop everything, but you know cut back on the cardio. Don't cut it out completely. We want to still maintain keep you in the same kind of routine so that your brain still knows like, Hey, I'm still in prep, but cut it way back. Like if you were doing cardio two a days and you were knocking out like 12 sessions a week, well now you're doing four or five. So we're going to cut it down in more than half. Um, cut the session duration down a little bit as well. If you're grinding out a bunch of steady state, do some hit instead, make it shorter, make it more intense. Um, and then I'd have you eat a little bit more as well. Like let's say theoretically you're down to like 11, 1200 calories, something like that. 15, 1600 right away, you know, post-show cheat meal. But then the other thing you got to remember is, you know, you don't get days off. You've got another show in eight weeks. You're still in prep. We're just going to change the parameters a little bit. So, um, And again, like I said, I know there's just so much hypothetical stuff in here. So I'm kind of making up some scenarios here and we'll go through another one after this too. So let's say you push, push, push this first show, come in really lean, um, but just, you know, a little flat and, you know, peak week isn't great. So we need to, we need to spend a little time recovering from that. Let your body chill. Um, you know, take, take a little bit of a break from the cardio. Just cut it down. We're not, we're not leaving it out completely. Get some extra calories in your system. What you're going to notice is that after a week of that, you're like, God, if only I look like this on stage. like, yeah, right. Okay. We learned something from that, right? start your carb up earlier, be more aggressive with it, et cetera. So, um, and then what I would probably do is try and ride that for a few weeks until you're four to five weeks out and then kick it back into high gear again. But we'd approach things a little bit differently. So you've got to learn from the first attempt that you made. How did that go with eight weeks? You have time to not only make improvements, but also try things a little bit differently. Um, but it just depends on what you did try and how things came in. So let's say instead, um, Another scenario, and we could do a billion of these, but we'll try a second one here, and we'll we'll leave it at that. So um, instead, let's say you know you, you've got a really good, active, healthy metabolism, and you come into this show, and you're nice and lean, nice and sharp, um, and you know you didn't have to kill yourself on cardio. You're doing six sessions a week; they were hard, you know, or long sessions. Um and uh calories were were able to stay up at fourteen, fifteen hundred, but you got in really, really um still really sharp, maybe a few things that we can improve upon, but overall, like, yeah, that's good. Okay, cool. Well, what would I do in that case? That's a good question. I mean, I, I'd need to look at the photos and really nitpick things and say, hmm, okay, this could be a little bit better. This could be a little bit better. We've got eight weeks. And clearly at that point, we're working with somebody who has a little bit more of an active metabolism. I mean, if you can if you can get really lean on more calories, you've got a good active metabolism. So let's play with it. You know what? Let's try and grow a little bit during this stage. Let's really hammer the areas that we want to work on here. We've got eight weeks. We're not going to totally change the world in eight weeks, but we can make some difference here. This is good. So you know what? I really want to hit those quads harder. Let's see if we can bring those up a little bit. Let's hit them three days a week. Let's hit quads three days a week for three to four weeks. Um, and then, so we're going to do a small improvement phase here, really short one, get calories up. You know, we still need to stay lean. We can't really go above maintenance on calories, but we can heavily load your carbs pre and post-workout so that, you know, during that short stretch, at least your body's going to feel like it's in a surplus. So we still have a little bit of possibility to grow. The intensity has got to be there though. So I would, I would definitely pull your cardio way down. If you weren't doing a whole lot to start with, then losing a little bit of it isn't going to make a big difference. Um, and then that also tells me we can push a little bit harder on the deficit if we need to, in order to catch up. I think the improvements that we would gain by getting your calories up, giving your legs less to do on cardio so that we can work them a little bit harder and bring them up, um, will pay off. And then, you know, okay, we then jump back into a, a hard cut for the last four to five weeks and we can push a little bit harder, um, because we didn't have to push so hard the first time around. So, you know, there, there's a lot of, of possible things here and, you know, Kaya. One thing that I might encourage you to do is get this first show under your belt, and then hit me back up again and say, "Here's the photos. Now, what do you think?" Because then we can say, "Okay, this is no longer hypothetical. We've got a little bit of the equation plugged in here. Here's how I would approach it." So, you know, that, that's that's another possibility here, and I will I will throw that out right now. We can certainly take a look at that. So. All right. You know what? I'm starving. It's time to go eat and then I'm going to run to the gym and we're going to get some stuff done today. So I am really glad that I was able to come on here though, staying home today, which is great. The rain has died down. So it's time for me to get the dogs outside because Derby does not want to go pee in the rain. That girl is a little baby. If there's any raindrops out there, it's, it's adorable though. It's, it's very endearing. So Um, that is all I got. So I will leave you with, uh, words of wisdom here. Um, be safe, be wise, be cautious. Don't be afraid, live your life. I'm telling you, this is the time of the introvert. Cause they're, they're just, you know, pulling back on public gatherings and such. I'm like, that's great. Cause I don't go to go to any of those anyway. So for me, this is like, you know, no change at all, pretty much. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's good for me. Now, the problem is, you know, um, we're actually loaded up on some things to go do pretty recently here. Like for my birthday, my wife got me tickets to go see Eric Johnson at this little place in town called Jackson terminal, which I haven't been there, but I imagine it's probably 150, 200 people or something like that. Um, and to see Eric Johnson master guitar player. Oh my God. To see him in a space like that. um, I saw him when he came through recently um, as part of the Jimi Hendrix Experience Tour, which is all these guitarists who come out and just play Hendrix songs for like three or four hours. Um, he was one of them. And he's just amazing. I mean, he's this old, older guy. Um, older. I mean, he's in his 50s. He might be 60 or something like that. But... He's got a very young look about him, but he's just such a masterful player. Pull up Eric Johnson on Spotify and just play the first track that shows up. It's probably Cliffs of Dover because that's his big hit. And just listen to his guitar tone. I mean, it is... Amazing. It is otherworldly. And that that is a really catchy song as well. So it's all instrumental stuff. Um, he's done some singing. He really shouldn't. Um, but anyway, I got tickets to go see him. I don't know if that show's on or not. So um, but that would be, I think, uh next uh, next weekend, 22nd Sunday, I think. So we'll see. We'll see. Um so stay safe, everybody. Um, you know, keep keep the questions coming. The uh oh, let's see if I remember this. It's been a while. The call-in number, eight six five five one eight. 2974. Yeah, you can also go to thedropset.com. The number's right there. Call in, leave your message, ramble on, talk about anything that you like. I'd love to hear from you.